Welcome to the very first inaugural episode of the Neat Humans podcast, officially. Um, uh, this first episode, again, is one that I wanted to do with Pete Kostelnik, somebody who uh, I've always found to have an interesting life. And when I set out to do this podcast, he was always number one on my list of people I wanted to talk to. The first guy who really jumped to mind of somebody who was really interesting, somebody who I didn't really know personally, but had kind of a secondhand connection to and always really enjoyed hearing updates on him and following his stories via Facebook and Instagram and um, anybody who I told about him I also feel like they really also felt like he had a interesting life and a, a neat story to be told so um, this this is his story that we're gonna be discussing um, I, uh, I t- talked to him for about an hour and um, there's a couple of things that I reference in here that I, I'll point out before we get going um, First, I, I, we referenced several times our mutual friend Brad. That's Brad Myers, who um, I, I know he's the only reason I really know about Pete is through him. Um, he's, he went to high school with Pete, and um, they've been friends for several years after high school, and so Brad's always been the one kind of giving me updates, and uh, Brad actually was kind of my practice episode for this podcast, which might be released someday as well. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the whenever you hear us talk about Brad, um, that's who that's who we're referring to. Um, and upon listening through it again, at, at, at a one point we reference and talk about Ragbri. Um, if anybody listening does not know what Ragbri is, that's a annual bike ride across the state of Iowa from the west side on the Missouri River to the east side on the Mississippi River, an annual tradition that. Um, bikers have liked to do every year and and pete was uh, as we talk about in the podcast the first person to uh run uh rag Bri along with uh, the bike riders on their same schedule um yeah he's he's a guy who has uh numerous world records for for distance ultra marathon running um he's run across america um in the fastest time ever recorded and he's uh he's run north to south from alaska to florida and um, done several other little journeys along the way, and, and we get a chance to talk about that. So um, without further ado, here's our sit-down interview with Pete Kostelnik. Okay, Pete. Well, I appreciate you joining me um, for this uh, for this time today, and uh, I'll try to keep it a little bit brief if you've got other stuff to get to. Um, but you are somebody who I've been really fascinated with for a long time, and your kind of uh, path through ultra running and how this has all turned out for you. So um, I know a little bit about of your background through through Brad Myers, but um, I want to hear a little bit about what it was that really got you into into ultra marathon running and how that kind of started for you. Because from what I understand, you weren't like um, super big into running growing up, were you? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, yeah, it, I really wasn't. Um, you know, and, and, and it's it's cool, that, you know, Brad, because Brad was you know a friend you know, that I've known for a really long time. And, and, you know, a lot of times I feel like when people tell these stories, it's like, oh, okay, like, Michael Jordan didn't make, you know, in freshman high school, but not that I'm Michael Jordan. Now let's not get that completed. But, you know, you hear these stories about how people were, you know, not the best or the worst on the team, and then they, you know, went on to do, you know, things they never dreamed of. But really, I mean, that really was, you know, I, I, I didn't start running until junior high school, uh, when I did cross country and I was JV the whole year. I didn't like, you know, I, I improved, but I never was like one of our go-to runners. And then even my senior year, I did, you know, sneak into varsity for some cross country meets, but, um, no, I mean, like I, I wasn't a standout runner in high school at all. Uh, I still don't really consider myself like a standout, like speed guy or anything. Um, but, 
you know, I just took this ultra running thing. You know, I, I started doing marathons at the end of college. Uh, you know, I kept trying to break three hours, which is, you know, kind of, which is a pretty, which is, you know, just a little bit faster than qualifying for Boston. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a stout time to break three hours, you know, no matter who you are. Uh, but like, I was just, I was struggling to, you know, get that on my resume. And so then I just kind of gave up on road marathons to start doing ultra marathons, um, you know, about 10 years ago in 2011. And, you know, I did my first ultra, which, which, you know, ultra is really just anything more than 26.2 miles. And, um, I had, I I loved it because like, you know, in the ultra marathon world, it's just about anyone can be really good at it and just about anyone no matter how athletic you are naturally you can be terrible at it because you know so much of, of ultra running comes down to you know your preparation and how you know humble you are when you go out in a race because everybody wants to go out really fast uh, in a lot of these races and you know if you go out too fast you're gonna you're gonna blow up so i just yeah i just love you know i love ultra running and, and just you know getting into it and um that's kind of my story in a nutshell is uh you know I, I i've never really been a super speedy guy but i've actually gotten faster and uh ticked off all of those buckets that i wanted previously prior to ultra running by uh just becoming an ultra runner when you were in high school and doing cross country and stuff did merit just regular marathon running appeal to you i mean do you have an idea that that was something that you wanted to pursue one day maybe even just as a hobby not even as kind of a career thing yeah, you know, even in college, I, I had a couple friends that were, I remember uh, were doing a marathon, and I was blown away because I did uh, Damp Dam um, right, right as I was graduating from high school, uh, and that's not even a half marathon, it's 12, or, you know, I, I think they, they eventually maybe made it to half marathon, but it was a 20K road race. And I had to walk the last like two or three miles of that race, so like I couldn't imagine as I went into college, you know, these friends of mine that were, were going over twice that distance, um, and now you know every almost every morning I'm running more than a half marathon before work. So it's like, yeah, it, it, you know, I didn't have any aspirations at all until you know I tackled it like near the end of college. Yeah. And did, what was your first marathon? I mean, who, how was it? I, I think that Brad told me once that, was it your, your wife or girlfriend at the time who got you to do your first one? Uh, so I, my, it was right before I met my wife. I did the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. Um, when I was doing an internship out there. That would have been like 2008. Um, but then I said, okay, mission accomplished not going to run another marathon ever again because I was really far and I, I moved back to Ames uh, at Iowa State for my last semester and she was one of the roommates that I was I was subleasing from a guy who was uh, studying abroad that semester and so I just kind of popped in for four months for the my last semester of college and she was one of the other three roommates and I remember I was just drinking beer sitting on the couch enjoying my last semester or so I thought and then her and one of the other roommates would always go running and so they kind of like got me off the couch to go run and then before I knew it by the end of semester I signed up uh, for the Chicago Marathon and then the rest is history so you know it's just little things like that that 
I, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe to this day if I, you know, had done that marathon, not met her, not wanted to impress her, not wanted to, like, spend more time with her through running, you know, if I would have gotten five, six months without running, I probably would have never really picked it up to, you know, I wouldn't have gone on this trajectory um, without, you know, meeting her. So I, I think that's that was kind of cool that, you know, we, we kind of started our relationship through, through running together. And, yeah, just a quick sidetrack. So how long have you guys been together? What year would that have been that you first met her? 2009. So uh, uh, we've been together for 12 years, married for, uh, for eight. So. Okay. Um, so I think that a natural uh, inclination that a lot of people might get is that this long-distance ultra-running thing is maybe easy for you just because of uh, how much you've done. But you talked about that Marine Corps marathon was tough. I mean, it seems like... I thought that maybe things were just natural for you right away, but what was it that with that first marathon that was such a challenge for you? Yeah, um, you know, it was just, it was weird because it was maybe the one race that I've actually run a negative split. So, like, I actually ran the second half faster than the first half. So, hmm. racing-wise, it was a success, but it was just, when I got done, I just remember I was just, I was just dead. Like, I just... You know, like my legs were had never experienced that many miles. Um, so I mean, that's I think it's 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 really hard to to put it into words. But it was just you know one of those things where I just couldn't imagine doing it again because it was just such a dauntingly long distance. And and I think psychologically, you know, twenty six point two miles at the time was like wow, that's like half a day. And now today, like you know, there's days where I'll go out and run more than a marathon and it's just psychologically it's like it's just a few hours <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean it was just i think it was just the mental piece more so than the physical of, of going that far was beyond my uh belief but i think once you get into like a state of mind where you find a new normal you know doing that distance is is not nearly as daunting yeah so you do the Chicago, and it sounds like that's when things kind of start to pick up with the running. So when did you make the leap from going, okay, I want to maybe just do a, you know marathons as kind of a hobby? When did you make that decision to say, hey, I want to do a little bit more now? Yeah, you know, I was living in Kansas City, and um, I, you know, I, I think I had done maybe oh probably like half a dozen road marathons, and I, I was pretty much doing the same time every. I mean, it was like between three hours and three hours and you know, 30 minutes, I was doing that, like, every race, and I kept getting these, I kept getting, like, these IT band, or, like, you know, these, these normal running injuries that you get from, you know, basically what I was doing was I was trying to do, I was trying to basically race every day for, in my training, which was a, a bad idea, uh, because you're going to get injured if you're pushing yourself, you know, as hard as you can every day, um, but, uh, I just remember in, in, uh, I think, yeah, 2011, right around this time of year, um, there's a race called Brew to Brew from uh, Kansas City to uh, Lawrence, Kansas. So you start at Boulevard Brewery and you finish at Free State Brewery in uh, in Lawrence. Um, and it's really just a relay race. And so some of my friends were doing it, and I, I noticed that there was a solo division. So, like, you are the relay team. And so, you know, of course me, like, you know, I've always considered myself kind of just like fringe runner, like, yeah, I do marathons, but I'm not like wearing the short shorts and things like that. 
which is which has changed over time. So now I wear the shortest shorts of anybody sometimes. But uh, yeah, my my first my first marathon, I wore basketball shorts below my knees. Um, but anyway, that that race brew to brew. You know, I thought it was cool because it was like not your typical. It was just kind of like, oh, we'll drink a beer, go run forty four miles for from uh, Kansas City to Lawrence, and then we'll drink another beer when I finish. Um, so that was kind of the type, it, it was like that type of race that had to, to lure me in. Like, you know, that didn't seem overly competitive, although there were a lot of good runners there. Um, but that was just kind of what got me um, in the door, I guess you could say. Um, and then from there, you know, I went straight to a 100-mile uh, trail race that fall, which uh, kicked my butt really good, but I did finish, which, you know, it, when you, when you go for the, the hundred mile ultra marathons, just getting across the finish line, um, a lot of times is just seen as a massive success because, you know, there's a lot of hundred milers out there where, uh, over half the people don't finish. Mm-hmm. Did you train a lot for that, for that run in Kansas or, uh, was it just kind of your normal marathon training and you just jumped up about whatever that, that is, uh, 18 miles? Yeah, you know, well, before that, I was I was doing I was dealing with a lot of, of that IT band um, the issues. So it was it was actually you know I think a very graceful transition for me because um, I think even in the photo of me finishing that race, I was wearing two knee braces, uh, which I don't think the knee braces really even helped, but I think they were just a placebo. Um, so yeah, I actually I, re- I remember pretty well. I, you know, I would every other day after work, I would go to the downtown airport in kansas city and it's about a three or four mile loop and i would see if, you know i would i would try to do one more loop each time and so i it was definitely a different type of training where i was just going nice and easy nice and slow i felt felt like i was having fun you know and, and I was, as i was you know doing more miles at a slower pace i noticed my injuries were going away um so that's why i've always been kind of preaching this you know higher volume of, of running at a slower pace as a great way for people to not only enjoy running, but, you know, stay injury free, uh, more so than, you know, pushing your, yourself hard, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. As another quick sidetrack. Uh, so what, what is it about the short shorts that, uh, that help in the long distance running versus doing it with baggier shorts? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of the humidity, but, you know, if it's a humid day, I sweat a lot. And uh-huh. so if I'm running for multiple hours, I, 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 <laughs> I notice my, my pants get, or my shorts can add like six pounds, it seems like, <laughs> uh, if I'm not wearing the short ones. So, um, no, I, I don't know. It, it's just, I think it's a, sometimes it just feels like a competition too, where it's like, who can wear the shortest shorts uh, at a race? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, funny. Do you still have any IT band issues, or is that pretty much got, gone away now, or is that something you still struggle with? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's long gone. Um, you know, I'm I'm really lucky because I, you know, knock on wood, I don't get uh, I don't get injuries that put me out for very long. Um, and, and most of the ones, you know, if I do get a serious injury, it's it's at the ankle or lower, so usually like a like an Achilles type thing or or a foot thing. Um, so yeah, just you know, I think doing doing a lot of not doing you know only about ten percent of my of my running, I feel like I'm actually pushing myself hard. Um, so so I think that that's a big contributor. Yeah. So 
ultras are one thing, but as far as your first big um, event, you know, first big thing that really maybe captured some media attention, would that have been uh, when you ran Ragbri? Was that the first really big deal thing that you did? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was so weird for me because no one ever cared. Well, and I, I think a lot of people still don't care about whatever running I'm doing. You know, even if I ran, you know, if I went to Mars and ran around Mars, I don't think <laughs> a lot of people would care, which is right, which is rightfully so. But, uh, you know, uh, Ragbri, um, yeah, it was definitely like that first thing where, like, I, I, I laugh now because I look back on it and, like, I was so, I was so starstruck that, like, you know, the Des Moines Register would put me on like the 30th page of the Sunday, uh, maybe, maybe, or I guess it was the, it was the cover page, but it was like one of the, you know, the less read version, like, um, parts of the, the big Sunday paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I was just like, I was like, we, we got to buy like eight copies of these guys. I may never get on that bag. I may never get in that newspaper again. So yeah, that was definitely like the first time I think anyone kind of noticed my like shenanigans of doing something crazy, and it was definitely like a, a first for me. And you know, Brad, he uh, he was there the whole week of that uh, with me, so um, we had a lot of fun with that. It was, it, you know, at the time it seemed like just like an impossible task, you know, to run. I think it ended up being about sixty to sixty-five miles on average per day. Uh, so, so basically we, you know, it was running the same distance that everyone was cycling, Mm -hmm. um, and no one had done it, but then it turned out that, uh, myself and one other guy, um, Richard Kresser actually did it that year. So it was, it was really cool to share it with another person, um, that did it as well. Um, and and we, we ran one day, uh, pretty much the whole day together. Uh, in the middle of the week, so that was a lot of fun. So nobody had done it before, but somehow both of you had the idea to do it in the same year? <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, it was cool, because, you know, we didn't plan it together at all, uh, and we, we were both uh, 2009 um, Iowa State grads. No so kidding. So it was kind of cool that we both ended up there, you know, doing it the same year, and I think other people had run the course, but no one had done it, you know, like, in the same uh, seven days, you know, of, of the Ragbri event, like, you know, keeping up with the, the pace of the bikes. Yeah. Um, has that started a wave? Have more people done it since then? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't even keep track because I, I've had a number of people reach out to me about it because I, which is really cool because it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where at the time in my life, it was like, you know, I, I, I did it because I thought it'd be really cool to run across the country someday but like you know that takes a lot of planning it takes a lot oftentimes like quitting your job to do so i you know it was just like well there's no excuses i'll do it in you know a week i'll take a week of vacation uh so yeah it's it's a really cool way to get yourself into you know like those journey type runs um so and 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 ragbri was very very okay with me doing it because i reached out to them and i didn't know if they'd you know kick me off the road for being in there with all the cyclists but they they thought it was cool too yeah so from there i I think the next thing would have been the the bad water run right yep yep um yeah uh you know everything was kind of sequential because i think by doing that run across iowa it helped because at bad water i like to compare getting into bad water to applying for college Mm -hmm. um (laughs) they 
the, the race, it, it's interesting because a lot of races, it's just, you know, you, it's the first so many people to sign up until it's full. If it does fill, Badwater is one of those races where it's this iconic race in Death Valley from the lowest point in the continental U.S. at, you know, 300 feet below sea level to Mount Whitney, um, which is, you know, a 14,000 plus foot mountain, which is the highest uh, point in the continental U.S. So it's a really cool because it, it's, you know, it's such a small, well, relatively small, 135 miles of road. You go from such a drastically low point to a drastically high point. Um, so that was all, that was always a race that I had known about even before I got into running um, because I had read about it in, I think it was like ESPN magazine or something when I was uh, in, in college. And yeah, doing that, you know, run across Iowa, I think, you know, I mentioned that in my application and, um, I think it helped get me into Badwater, um, in 2014 and then 2015 and 2016, I was lucky enough to come across the finish line first in that race, which in 2015 just blew my mind, uh, you know, to, to accomplish, you know, something like that for me personally was, I was just on cloud nine for, you know, a good three weeks after yeah. I just couldn't believe that, you know, I finished first. Rightfully so. I'd imagine. Uh, do you feel like, was that the point that you really feel like you did kind of put your name on the map as far as ultra running goes? I mean, it seems like that had to be the point where people really started to pay attention to your name. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and cause yeah, I hadn't really done anything, um, in a race in an ultra race nearly as noteworthy as that. And that was interesting because my friend Dylan, who's really good friends with, with Brad and me uh, growing up, he was uh, out there crewing for me because, uh, at, you know, at Badwater, you have to have, you know, a van of three to four people uh, looking after you uh, and giving you water and, you know, ice hat and everything like that every, you know, couple miles because it's such a, because there's no aid stations there. Um, but anyways, that next morning, I remember telling Dylan, like, you know, I ran across Iowa, you were there for that, I did this race, you were here for that, I think, you know, no matter what, I'm going to run across the U.S. next year, I I don't know if I knew what year, but definitely, like, that's where I got the idea uh, to break the, to try to break the, you know, 30-year record of, or 20, yeah, I think, yeah, 30-year record of uh, the fastest time running across the U.S., so that was something you were already aware of. You knew what the record was, and you, uh, even before you did it, kind of knew, like, hey, this is something I think I can do? Yep, yep, yeah. Um, yeah, it was always something that I, I definitely wanted to do from basically the time I got into ultra running. You know, in 2011, I met uh, Marshall Ulrich out in uh, Colorado at a race, and um, he had attempted to break this record as well. He came up a little short. Uh, but he, he, um, you know, wrote a book about it. I read the book multiple times and, you know, growing up road trips were always a passion of mine. They still are today. So like, that was, I think the thing that I thought was so cool about running across the U S was I get to mix like my favorite hobby, my favorite two hobbies all in one. Um, and, and I feel like I just kind of grew up thriving, you know, on, uh, the dumb and dumber mentality of life on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect way to look at it. Um, 
did, uh, I, I mean, we obviously don't have enough time to cover everything about that run across America, but I want to touch on a few things of it. Um, when you look back now, I mean, whatever, was that like, what, five, six years ago, something like that? Yeah, almost five years ago, and it was the end of, uh, fall of 2016. Okay. Um, when you look back, what are maybe some of the, your favorite moments that stick out from it, or uh, some of your favorite states or favorite um, little stretches of road that you went through? Yeah, it, you know, it was a very, it was very interesting because it was, I won't lie, it was pretty boring at times because I saw cornfields in California. I saw cornfields in Nebraska. I saw cornfields in Iowa. I saw cornfields in Ohio. I saw cornfields even in New Jersey on the last day. Uh, so, like, it, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there, I love, like, I was running into the sunrise every morning. Every sun, sunrise was different. Um, but it was just a very, it was like a very routine-oriented, like, we're going for the record. You know, it was, it was much more about ultra-running less so about, you know, enjoying the adventure. Like I, I met some people, a lot of people came out to run with me, especially once I got to um, Nebraska where I lived at the time. Uh, but the thing that really stands out about that run was I ran, and it was a very Forrest Gump-like run, not necessarily in terms of running, but in terms of just like the right place, right time, weird story. Um, because uh, during that run, I ran right by down the very road that I had um, lived in in four different towns in three different states. So came through Lincoln, Nebraska, literally had my wife and I were actually in the, um, were actually moving to Missouri at the time. And I, I, I stayed in Lincoln until I started the run, but she was already in Missouri. So we had an empty house there. Literally ran through Lincoln, didn't have to like get in the car or anything to stake out. I ran through Lincoln, stopped at my house for lunch uh, with a bunch of coworkers there, and it was an empty house. And, and our realtor actually came by while I was there and put a sold sign in our yard. So that was the last time I ever set foot in that house wow. was on that run, run, running from San Francisco to Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and then a few days later in Iowa, uh, I ran up the uh, Des Moines River Valley into Boone and my parents' property goes, uh, they live just outside Boone and it goes right up to the road I was on. So that was number two. And then later that day in Ames, Iowa, I didn't know it before, but I went down Ross Road, which is where I lived in a duplex during college. So got to literally run right by a place I lived there. And then several weeks later, or maybe just a week or two later, in Ohio, you know, I, I didn't know then, I was just moving to Missouri, I didn't know then that we were going to move to Ohio someday, but um, I can see the road from, from my window here hmm. that I actually ran down through uh, Brunswick, Ohio on Highway 303. Wow. So just, I mean, just incredible, like, you know, I really, literally ran by, you know, past, present, and future uh, places I've lived, so... That was just kind of the cool. I thought that was kind of the coolest, like, crazy little tidbit from it. But you know, other than that, I mean, the run, you know, it was it was definitely missing some of the um, uh, other cool stories, uh, which was why I, I had to 
I had to think of something else to do afterwards. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should clarify that too. So that that run across America, it's it's San Francisco to New York City, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the general. Um, that's a general starting and ending point uh, that people use for like if they want to set the record. Like that's kind of the. I mean, you could run. You know, you could run any. You could start in Seattle, end in you know Savannah or you know Savannah, mm-hmm. Georgia. And that's what people do. They do a lot of different routes, but for like the record, um, generally, um, so it's comparable. It's San Francisco and New York. Yeah, I'm sure people ask a lot about you know your favorite state or something like that. Um, do you have one state or one stretch of you know a few days where you're like, boy, that's that really was the best you know scenery or whatever that I saw along the way? Yeah, um, scenery probably Colorado, just because they're Colorado is pretty diverse as, as far as. Didn't really have many cornfields actually, but uh, it was. I mean, Utah was up there too, but um, Colorado had uh, mountains, you know, mountain passes, a little bit kind of desert-like on the western side, um, and then just kind of, kind of some some canyons uh, that I I, went, I ran through. So that was probably the most scenic. Um, but then I think the most, the, obviously, I think the most intriguing was the stretch from eastern nebraska through uh central iowa just because that was like you know where i lived at the time in nebraska and then uh being from boone iowa i actually well, I actually yeah i actually ran through boone um so that part was just incredible like it was you know over halfway done with the run and then just this surge of energy from you know seeing so many familiar faces was just a huge you know boost when i i really uh needed it yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have uh, suggested that as the top point of a road trip if somebody was going across America. I would say Nebraska and Iowa. Um, do outside of the, you know, you mentioned kind of the monotony of the cornfields over and over again. Outside of that, was there a stretch or anything in particular that was the most uh, difficult part about that whole run? Yeah, uh, definitely Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, you know, like Pennsylvania was kind of like that you know, 90 to 95% of the run. So it was like, you don't see the finish line, but you, you just, it was just, it rained a lot. It was actually, I think Pennsylvania, even more so than Colorado or California had the most um, elevation gain. Um, not the highest point, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was just up and down and up and down, you know, through the, the, the Appalachians. And then, um, just very inconsistent grades, you know, like, you know, like out, even in Colorado, if I was going up a mountain pass, it was like, okay, I'm going to be at, you know, 10% grade for the next seven miles. I'll just zone out, you know, keep plugging away. In in, uh, Pennsylvania, it's like one second, you might be going around us, you know, you might be in town, you know, there's like a sidewalk that goes up to like 25% or 20% grade or something crazy. And then it's just, it was just, there's no consistency and no rhythm, which, I had a lot of tr- trouble with, and there were a lot of um, more populated areas, a lot of dangerous, you know, curvy roads in Pennsylvania. So that was like just, uh, just a mind, you know, I don't know, just a just a crazy state, and with all the rain and the my feet were just giving up on me. they were, I think just from all the pounding of all the steps mm-hmm. uh, to that point, my my feet were just killing me uh, at that point. So it was that was definitely the toughest part of the run yeah kind of like if you were comparing it to a marathon it'd be like mile 
22 or something where it's like you're far but not so far that you can kind of just coast from that point right yeah yep. yep and there were yeah no no fanfare no you don't see anyone yeah i mean it was actually one of the loneliest stretches too because i you know i went through pennsylvania like i think it was like a i don't know right during the middle of the week and then of course the rain people don't like to people don't like to visit you as much if it's raining out <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh so what was your end time that you ha- had for that run yeah, it was uh, 42 days. Actually, it's on the wall right here. 42 days, 6 hours, and 30 minutes. I am looking at. I was looking at the Guinness certificate I have on the wall. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, you know, it went perfectly uh, as far as time. I mean, I did actually take a day off, um, day 7, which, you know, which the clock never stops. But, um which it was, you know, I was dealing with some tendonitis and, you know, early in the run and you know, I went out too, too hard. And so I did, I did take a day off, you know, at the end of the first week, but you know, other than that day off, you know, everything went, um, pretty much to plan. Yeah. So I can't complain too much. So that even adds a little more legitimacy to it. It isn't just kind of a runner's record type of thing. I mean, Guinness actually has a, uh, a record for this deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be upfront by saying, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Guinness. Uh, <laughs> it took them almost two years to, because to, I didn't pay extra to have them, you know, <laughs> expedite it. And so, because I just, you know, it was just a principal thing. But it, they did. They, they, you know, I, I kept, you know, asking them to look at all it. Because you, you have to submit a lot of, like, evidence and a lot of um, data. And I was wearing two GPS watches the whole way to make sure, like, you know, I had redundancy and everything and we, we we had probably hundreds of people you know sign witness statements and things like that um so yeah it's it's a guinness record but gosh it was they, they didn't make it easy <laughs> does that record still stand or has anybody tried to get after it since then yeah it still stands you know a couple people have tried uh since and you know it's just you know it's it's one of those things where you know, it, it, the record stood for, I think, 30 years. I met wow. the guy, actually, the guy that had the record before me met me at the finish hmm. of the run with a, literally with a golden baton in his hand or a gold-colored baton and handed it to me. So I have that baton and that, uh, his name is Frank Janino. And I just, it was cool because Frank was my age when he broke the record in 1980, you know, 1980. So I guess, yeah, I guess maybe 26 years old record. Um, but, uh so yeah, it's 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 just one of those records that's it's hard to break because not because of how hard you know it is to run you know 70, 75, 70 to seventy five miles a day you know for six weeks, um, but it's just you know it's just it takes the right um, the right ingredients. You have to have a great crew, which I did. You know, four people supporting me the whole way. Um, you have to be able to take the time off work. You have to be able to do all the training. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you have to be young enough where, you know, you, you still have, you know, the ability to recover um, each day. So, you know, I think it'll be broken, definitely, unless, you know, it won't be 26 years. It'll, you know, it could be this year. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it still stands. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I, I invite anyone to, to break it because... <laughs> You know, if so, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I definitely wouldn't have said that a few years ago after I'd just gotten it. But like, you know, I think once you have a record for a while, 
you know, you want it to be relevant. The way records stay relevant is when, you know, people continue to raise the bar. What What is the total mileage of that run, San Fran to New York? Uh, usually, I mean, you, you can determine whatever, you know, there's not like a standard road because roads change all the time. Uh, mine was, it's usually around 3,100 miles. Mine was like 3,070 miles. Okay. Um, so it's, it, yeah, it's about 5,000 kilometers. Yeah. In the, in the world of sports, a lot of people talk about that, about records, and a lot of people seem to, yeah, not mind when their record's broken, oh, records are made to be broken, that kind of thing. And so are, are you in that state of mind right now, or do you hope that at least it sticks around a few more years before somebody gets it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'd be fine. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, def, I think it kind of, when you, when you think that someone is going to break it, especially it kind of forces you to, to really, like, I don't know, move on to something else. And so that's kind of been my mentality. I think this, especially, you know, coming out of COVID, it's just, I'm so eager to do something new or different um, as far as like records or, or, you know, raising the bar that, yeah, I think I'm definitely, yeah, it's, it doesn't really matter to me, you know, that I, I still, I mean, it's, it's meaningful to me, but it's, you know, it doesn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, shed any tears if someone breaks it. Would you have to give up that Guinness thing you got hanging on your wall? Send that to the next guy? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's a good question. No, I'd probably, I'd probably keep it up there. Okay. <laughs> um, I, if there's anybody that would want to know more about that run across America, is it cataloged or documented somewhere? I mean, through a blog or a video or anything like that? Yeah, there, um, actually, uh, there's a really good, um, like, 35-minute documentary on YouTube. Okay. Uh, that uh, if, you just, if you just go on YouTube and, and, like, type my name, Run Across America, it'll probably be the first to come up. Uh, that that uh, um, uh, actually one of you know Brad's good friends came out and did it, and yeah, it, it's just kind of like basically it goes through what it's like on a normal day, which I think it was in Indiana, and then what it's like coming into the finish. So it, it was really cool. He came out twice and um, did an incredible job with it. So yeah, I uh, I love showing people that uh, short documentary because it's like thirty five minutes, so it's like. Yeah, you have to sit down and actually watch it, but it's not like some four-hour feature film or something like that. Yeah. I think one of my favorite stories that at least I think Brad told me about that was you... Is it right that you didn't see your wife the entire time until the finish line? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was... Yeah. It just kind of worked out that way because uh, when I came through the Midwest, when she was in Missouri, you know, in Missouri um, she was in Europe for work, and so we just kind of made this joke that you know, I'd probably be most motivated to finish fastest if I didn't see her until the finish line. So she was waiting for me at, at the city hall in New York City. Yeah. Romantic moment, or uh, was it just relief? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like a giant, I mean, like, it, it was, you know, a few dozen people standing around, so it was, it was just kind of like, yeah, it was relief, it was um, a little romantic, but uh, it was just a little overwhelming, too. Yeah, and so then it wasn't too long. I think it was then just 2016 when you did the North to South run, right? Yeah, 2018. Oh, 2018. Um, it was, so, yeah, less than two years later, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I had this, you know, like I was, t- I was saying earlier, I, 
I, it was all about the ultra running, you know, going for that San Francisco to New York, uh, fastest run across the U.S. record that it wasn't much about like the, you know, road trip type of aspect to it. Like, cause I didn't really have any time to enjoy anything. Like I, I ran by all these like little taverns and restaurants and these towns and like attractions. And, you know, I just had to run right by them. I didn't get to <laughs> see anything. Um, so, you know, I had a, I really struggled, you know, over the year, next year or two mentally with that, aspects of you know you broke this record someone's gonna definitely break it you know in your lifetime so what then like you know you were you raised the bar for a certain amount of time but you didn't really have like that adventure that you really wanted to to have when you first learned about people running across the u.s but then at the same time i always struggle with like well you know should i run across the u.s you know from new york to san francisco should i you know do the reverse run do it at a slower pace per day and actually enjoy it and i thought no i can't i gotta i gotta do something that fits that does both adds to the adventure but then at a more leisurely pace at least in my opinion so that I can enjoy, you know, the process. And so, I mean, it, it quickly to me, it was when I, you know, when I was a, a kid, um, when I was like 11 years old, my family, we drove to Alaska from Iowa and driving to Alaska, we met, um, we met some people that were motorcycling from Alaska to Florida or vice versa. And so I, I that was always kind of in my mind of like a really cool trip to take um, you know, far before I ever got into running. And then, you know, it just hit me one day in 2017, like, I need to do this. Like, that would be perfect. It would be a challenge. Um, you know, I didn't know at the time if I wanted to do it self-supported, which means, you know, you don't have people taking care of you along the way or, you know, or supported. And, but I just knew that, like, I could do that run. I could run from Alaska to Florida or I call it key to key because it was, I started in Kenai, Alaska and finished in Key West, Florida. And so it was basically the furthest West you can go in continental U. Well, furthest West you can go in the U S besides Hawaii on a road that continuously goes. Um, and then, and then Key West was the South. So it was the furthest West to the furthest South you can go in the U S on continuous roads. Um, but anyway, it was just this thing, like, I got to do this because it would be a giant challenge, even if I, you know, did it at a more leisurely pace, you know, no one's ever run from Alaska to Florida. And it, and then, you know, I, I added the challenge of doing it self-supported with a stroller, um, with all my gear in it, which sounds ridiculous, but actually it's how most people, uh, I know that. I've met over the years that have run across like the U S do it is, you know, they're not fortunate enough to have people taking care of them in a crew like I did on the record attempt. So anyway, yeah, it was just this thing that I had to end up quitting my job for because, you know, I was going to take, you know, even if I did 50 plus miles a day of running, it was going to take, you know, over three months to do, you know, 50, almost 5,400, I think miles. Um, so yeah, I set off on that and I think it was July 31st, 2018. And my, my goal was to do it in a hundred days or less. And I did it in 
98, I think it was like 98 days, 98 and change. Mm-hmm. Because that too, I mean, good grief, the, you mentioned the mileage of America was 3,100. What was that mileage from Alaska to Florida? It had to be what, at least like double, triple that? Uh, it was it was like 5,300 miles, okay. 5,400, somewhere in there. I averaged 55 miles a day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it would be like running across you know, from San Francisco to New York and then running back to Utah. So, (laughs) you know, almost twice as far. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it was like, it was one of those things where, um, you know, some days, you know, I tried to stay, you know, I tried to sleep with a roof over my head as many days as I could um, because I, I brought very primitive camping gear. And so some days you know it was like 70 plus miles some days it was like you know 20 30 miles um but it was you know averaged 55 a day which sounds like a ton of miles but you know if you know what you're doing and you're efficient it allowed me you know i estimated you know four more hours of what i call leisurely and chore time uh to you know stop take photos meet people sit down at a restaurant maybe have a beer uh and and then you know of course there were chores I had to do because I, it was self-supported like you know laundry and um, things like that each you know every every few days getting groceries along the way uh, but I loved that part of the, part of it you know it was, it was part of the adventure of uh, you know going into a grocery store and with a stroller and you're walking around with a stroller that says <laughs> Kenai to Key West and people asking you you know where's Kenai or where's Key West and uh, it's about four thousand miles away from here. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, how'd you get there, by the way? How'd you get? Did you fly up to Alaska and then like take a Uber out there or something? <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. Well, it's funny because I actually almost didn't go. Um, I uh, went straight there from. This is penny pinching Pete. Um, <laughs> I, I I ran Badwater that race we were talking about earlier in, in Death Valley, and I actually it was the year I didn't finish i had a bad race so i uh didn't get the you know finish but the coveted finish belt buckle that year and i was so disappointed that and, and granted i had already quit my job so like i was doing this run in alaska alaska to florida no matter what but i was so mad at myself that i at the time when i didn't finish that race and i was going to fly to alaska from las vegas you know, right, right there by Death Valley after the race. Then I looked, I, I tried canceling everything. Like I, and, and the only reason to this day that I, I went, I still went to Alaska, you know, straight from Las Vegas to Anchorage was because it was too late to cancel some of my reservations. So I told my wife, like, okay, I'll, I'll do the first few days of the run and then maybe I'll make up like some injury because I'm just, I don't really want to, you know, do ultra running right now. Uh, was my excuse uh, after bad water, but um, yeah, I had I had my stuff. My my stroller and equipment was shipped up to a friend in near Anchorage, and um, his thick sister-in-law um, was kind enough to spend a whole day driving me down to the Kenai Peninsula, and then. Um, yeah, then a couple of days later, uh, a lady I'd never met either drove me a couple hours even further south to Anchor Point, uh, where I started the run um, at the westernmost you know 
point of any road in, in us in the u.s so yeah it, i got it was just a lot of nice people that uh <laughs> got me from point a to point b as far as starting that run and then from there it was it was all all on my two legs yeah uh, and so you said you were the first person to do that. Has anybody tried to replicate that run, or or will anybody? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, well, it's you do like there are people that have walked. Well, maybe like just two people ever, but someone has walked even more, even further than what I did. They started at the southern point of the Western Hemisphere, so like uh, the southern tip of South America, all the way to the northern tip of Alaska. Um, so it was kind of a unique, like, I mean, it's, it was cool because it was all like doable in three or a hundred days. And it was from, you know, this point out West to this point down South. Uh, but it, I'll admit it was kind of like a very like specific route that if someone were to replicate it, I mean, they would definitely be like, Oh, that was such a cool you know adventure he went on. So I would love to see someone replicate it, but I, I just don't think anyone probably will uh, anytime soon and that that i think would have been your last i mean you've done i know some ultra races since then but that's your last you know multi-week and month uh journey what what has been the thought process of your wife through all this stuff because this is a lot of time away from home and i know you have at least one kid right now is that right no we do, we do not have any kids oh yet, really so no so that that's kind of why like if i if we do have, if we do ever have kids like that would be a very limiting factor probably mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean she you know i what i, I one of my i mean she has so many great qualities but one is that she lets me do just about any of these but the only thing that i can't do is mount everest which i don't have any interest in anyways <laughs> um but she will let me do just about anything i want because she's very she's a very like independent very like you know, if I'm gone for a while, like, she she can manage, you know, she's, she's not a very needy person, which sometimes I wish she was more needy, but that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, that's like one of the ingredients to doing these runs is just having, you know, a significant other if you do have one that is, is okay with it. Why is Mount Everest the, the no-go? I think she thinks it's more dangerous than it really is. Uh <laughs> I mean, it's people die <laughs> doing it, so it's it's not like yeah. it's not dangerous, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and don't tell her this, but I actually think running across the U.S. is about as dangerous as Mount Everest, just mm-hmm. because of the depending on which roads you're on, because of you know traffic and you know thousands of miles on unique road, and some of them are very small shoulders. You know, it can get there can be some close calls, but yeah, Mount Everest is just I think yeah, just you know all those. Hollywood films about you know people that have died up there and mm-hmm. and for me personally it's just it just seems disgusting to to climb Everest these days in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, did you? I mean, did, did you have a desire to do it or something? Is that why it came up, or uh, that's just you've always known that's kind of the deal breaker? Yeah, well, we we and we we've kind of picked up a hobby of doing like the highest points in each state, which is a much more moderate approach, but. I, I've always been interested in, in um, mountaineering. Like, I've, I've never gotten into, like, really hardcore rock climbing, but uh, she, I think that was just something that she, she knows, like, when I take up a hobby, I get obsessed with it. So if I did take up 
rock climbing or like mountaineering like she just wanted to block it before i ever attempted it mm-hmm. uh i asked about your wife and what she thinks about it what about your the rest of your family i mean i don't know about your situation with parents or siblings and um what they've thought about all this yeah you know they i think at first my especially my dad was a little like apprehensive about me even doing marathons so now it's like now that i've <laughs> now that i've probably done several hundred marathons you know in in some form or fashion it's a little different you know ballpark but uh yeah they've been very very supportive of all of my you know endeavors uh i, I love my parents they're the best parents ever and um and i have four older siblings and they've all been very supportive like you know um, and, and I have one sister who actually has been very helpful, like, well, they've all, all been helpful, but she's been very, like, like when, when I ran from Alaska to Florida, like she was my contact person. And actually I ran uh, from Alaska to Florida. I didn't run by any of my past, uh, or past, present or future, um, residences, but I actually ran to her house in Cedar Falls, uh, on the, the section across Iowa. So I stayed at her house. And we had a little party that night, but, uh, she was like my route guru, um, for both runs across the U S. Um, and so like she was, she did such an amazing job, like scouting out the route from um, just from her home in, in Cedar Falls. And so like, I would be in contact with her every day, uh, from Alaska to Florida, like talking about like what, you know, road construction up ahead or, you know, a, a narrow bridge or, you know, things like that to look out for. And she, you know, give me multiple options. If a road, you know, got too dangerous, I could go off on this one or something like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, just, just, you know, I, I think, I think that, you know, my family, you know, thinks it's, it's interesting. It's definitely not for them. Uh, I think they probably think I'm a little crazy, but, uh, now they, they've all been, uh, very supportive, including, you know, people I grew up with, like Brad, um, you know, they, they still, they, they're, they're a lot of the people that come to my races and, and, you know, help crew for me to this day. Do you think there are going to be any more major runs on the horizon? Do you have ideas of other events or things that you're wanting to do in the future? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I always have too many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I'd love to run across Australia. Uh, I think that would be really cool uh, to run from Perth to Sydney. That's a pretty um, well-defined route that people do. Um, and you know, I've, I, I got some other crazy ideas, like a like a fifty states, fifty miles, fifty days type of idea uh, that I think would be really fun to try to do someday. But you know, it just depends because you know, it's I don't I don't take for granted you know, getting time off of work and things like that. So it's, it's definitely, you have to do a lot of planning, uh, to do those types of things. But yeah, I definitely, I, I, I wish we lived to be, you know, 500 years old cause I, <laughs> I'd love to do every single one. Yeah. I, I imagine that you probably get asked about this movie a lot. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with running the Sahara. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, is that is that another one that's on your mind at all, or is that a little bit too adventurous? Oh, you know, well, okay, so I'll, I'll come back to that. <laughs> Just about every day, someone messages me that there's this Google walk, like the longest Google walking directions in the world, which hmm. is from like I think it's from like Eastern China to like South Africa, the southern tip of South Africa. So <laughs> I just 
a lot of I, I I'm a little apprehensive about political risk, and that would be that's like the epitome of a political risk, uh, <laughs> you know, run. But anyway, uh, yeah, running the Sahara, no interest in doing it. But um, Charlie Engel, uh, I have to give him a shout out because he um, he's one of the the three guys that did that run, and. Um, and actually Chuck, one of the guys that crewed for him in that run, crewed for me across the U.S. Mm. And so, you know, Charlie was so instrumental in me planning my run from San Francisco to New York. And he introduced me, you know, he basically hooked me up with uh, the guys that were going to be my crew team the whole way. Oh, so wow. uh, it's definitely a small world. And um, yeah, it's everybody. That's what's really cool about ultra running is it's it's so easy to, to make those connections. Do you feel fortunate to be, to have this hobby that, I mean, it seems like something that it's not like you could do it for a lifetime, but I mean, even though you're what, in your early thirties, you could still do this for another 30, maybe 40 years or so with this kind of hobby. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I love about ultra running is, you know, I, my, my main two training partners are in their sixties, mm. like, and they're, they're fast for their age. You would never know that they're still in their sixties. Um, but yeah, like I look forward to maybe someday being the 60 year old that runs, you know, with the 30 year olds. So yeah, I, I think it's, that's, what's really cool is, you know, the only other sport where you kind of have that longevity is, is golf. So mm-hmm. I love it. What, what is your real life job and, and what is it that you've done all these years since college? that has been able to kind of jump in and out of careers when you've had to do these, these big, big time runs. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, business analyst, uh, so I have a finance and accounting background. Um, so I'm a numbers guy. I've, I've worked for you know a, a really awesome company the last eight years, um, based out of Nebraska. And so I don't take for granted, you know, taking off this time <laughs> to do, do these runs. And I actually quit and came back. Uh, and you know, they thankfully they had me back after Alaska to Florida. But uh, yeah, that's you know, I just have a regular desk job. Do you feel like a person can genuinely train to do what you do, or do you feel like your body is built a little bit differently than everybody else that you've been able to do all these things? Yeah, you know, it's that's a great question because you know some people, it's it's hard to tell because some people have said, oh well, you must have really no genes that allow you to do something like that, and like you know, like some professor told me that one time, but. I don't think so. I, I think I think just about. I mean, clearly, I don't have spectacular athletic ability, or at least I never tapped into it at a shorter distance. But I mean, I think for ultra running, the things that I do, it's more about training your body to be durable um, and come back. You know, especially with those multi-week runs, like the ability to to recover rapidly and you know i i really attribute to that just um training your body to do it so you know you're not going to rapidly recover if your body's not used to you know running you know 20 mile a day type of training runs and things like that um so yeah i think i think that just i think just about anyone could theoretically do the things that i've done it's just you know, not getting ahead of yourself, not trying, you know, not hurting yourself along the way. And I mean, inevitably there probably are some people that just aren't built. Um, you know, maybe they have, you know, a bad knee or a bad back or something that, that limits them from, 
uh, you know, running, you know, all day for multiple days at a time. But yeah, I think, I think that's the great thing about ultra running is there's, you see a lot of people, you know, very different natural, um, physiques out there. I've always wondered too about this. You know, I know about a lot of your exploits through, through Brad, especially, and I've followed you on Instagram for a few years. And so I see kind of some of the things you're doing, but I've always wondered why you're not more famous. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, uh, I mean, for years you've been, you know, one of the best, if not the best ultra running guy in America. And you've got these records that you've set and these huge accomplishments that you've done. Are you just lacking the, the PR that other people might have? <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate, no, I mean, I, ultra running, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I would say it depends on, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder with a lot of old things in ultra running just because it's, it's such a, it, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, well, it's such a niche sport, but it, I mean, there's, it's just such a big universe of ultra running. And I think even being in the sport, it's kind of hard to keep track of, of some of it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, like I follow Goo Goo Dolls and Frank Thomas cause I, you know, I grew up when they were doing their big stuff and they still are relevant today. Goo Goo Dolls still makes great music. Frank Thomas, I see him on, you know, the like Fox sports or, or whatever he's doing. And they have, you know, they don't, they hardly have any followers. Like, like you go on Instagram, not that like followers should matter, but, and then you look at like uh, that Jenner girl or whatever, and she's got like a quadrillion number of followers. So, you know, I think we live in a very follow the leader type of world where, you know, a lot of the cool stuff, you know, we, 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 we still, and I think someday that'll change uh, when we kind of look back on how silly we all were for, you know, follow being so, you know, mindlessly following, you know, certain things in pop culture. But yeah, I mean, I think I kind of like it that way uh, in ultra running because, um, you know, one of my good friends that comes out to Badwater every year to crew for me, he says, you know, you know, I know a lot of, he, you know, he tells me, you know, I know a lot of famous people, but this is where I love to be because it's all real. There's no, there's no money for winning, you know, really any ultra marathons. There's a few, but it's all, you know, you're there because you want to be and you're dumb enough uh, to be there. And I think, you know, if there was money and fame in ultra running, it would it would be a different, it would be a lot less interesting of a sport. Yeah. Seems like the opportunities are there just because it's, I mean, people seem to have a grasp in their mind of how, how crazy all of these things are and how difficult they are that it seems like the entertainment value is there to either televise them to some degree, whether it's bad water or, um, there's, there's that, what is it? That race in Tennessee where it's like, you just run the same six mile loop over and over again. Um, oh yeah. Well, there's two of them, but there's the backyard and there's Barkley. Uh, Barkley. Yeah. But yeah. You're I think you're talking about the backyard, um, ultra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's these, so many weird things out there that I think if people knew about them, they'd watch and be entertained <laughs> by these ridiculous things people are doing. But, um, just seems like, yeah, there hasn't been the kind of centrified ability to get get people kind of on board with knowing who and what these events are. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of, I, and that's a good point, I think a lot of people have a very, and I honestly wrote about, I, I, I write a, a column in Ultra Running Magazine, and I, I talked about this a, a couple issues ago, was 
what like in the name of the article i think was like please tell me why and now it's about why we do ultra marathons i think uh you know one, one of the things i mentioned in the article is that it's it's really cool that every single friend of mine you know from brad or anyone that's come to a race with me they love the sport because and it's not it's like like i don't know one person that i introduced to ultra running that was like oh that that's that's cool pete but it's not for me like everybody loves to follow it it's mm-hmm. just it's hard to get there because you kind of you kind of think of ultra running as like just an extension of like these super skinny fast you know marathon runners going even further um which is totally not the case at all mm-hmm. so do you still do bad water every year or just when when it comes up yeah yeah it, it got um unfortunately it was canceled last year um, but yeah, I've done it. Uh, this will be, I think my seventh or uh, this will be my seventh attempt. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully my sixth finish, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. When is it? What is that summer thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's any, it's, it's the full moon in July. Hmm. Uh, so this year I think it's July 19th, uh, is when it, when it takes place. Do you still have hopes of winning that every time you go out and do it? Or do you put the training in to still keep uh, having the ability at least to win it, or is it just more so for the sake of finishing and doing it now? Yeah, I definitely want to win every time. Uh, you know, I knew I, I haven't won it, in, you know, since 2016, but, uh, I feel good about this year. Not, you know, it, you never know what's going to happen, but I feel like this will, I'm like at a point where I'm, uh, very optimistic, not that I'll win the race, but that I'll actually, you know, be, you know, in that lead pack this year, hopefully, uh, when it, when the time comes. I know there was a time I think where you held the record for what your age group or something for the Badwater. Yeah, I held. I actually, it was the it was the overall um, record, and then I, I set that in 2016. And then a man from uh, Japan, a really good runner, uh, broke it by about 20 minutes in 2019. So, you know, now's your time. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't sure yet if I was ready for someone to break it or not, but <laughs> but now it, it's something for me to aspire for now. You know, maybe you know it's it's tricky because you have to have good condition or relatively good conditions, like there were when I broke it and he broke it uh, those years. Um, but yeah, it's something for me to shoot for now, so I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, and for people who might not know about that, I mean, it's 135 miles, I believe, um, and it's you know going through the hottest hottest parts of the country basically that you're going through in in the summer um is that i mean for something that you've done been able to finish so many times what was it that led to you not being able to finish the last time you did it yeah in 20 you know 2018 it was um you know it was that was a really bad year with conditions it was um i think the hottest year that i've done and yeah i mean it was just uh, you know sometimes it's hard to chalk up what exactly causes it but i think for me it was um i was having a hard time staying hydrated and i was cramping up like to the point where i just you know i couldn't put one foot in front of the other you know even walking and um and i was being i i i'll admit i i I did a hundred mile race uh two weeks before that race which was a mistake (laughs) in hindsight (laughs) so i've learned my lesson now not to to do try to do two 100 mile or more efforts in uh that short of a period (laughs) yeah okay um in your opinion i know a lot of people see your accomplishments and just think about how wild and crazy so much of it is 
in your mind, when you think back upon, upon all the things that you've done, what, what do you think is the wildest or the weirdest thing that you've accomplished? You're like, oh, wow, that really was pretty crazy. I was able to do that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tricky. I, you know, from, I think from Alaska, Florida, just because it was, just because there was, you know, it was really, besides checking in with my sister every day on the, on the route, it was, you know, it was like, it was all on me to, to figure stuff out. And so, you know, a lot of times I, I'm fortunate because I surround myself by people that will help me accomplish something. But for that, it was just so self, you know, self-supported and self-reliant that that's probably the, probably maybe the craziest thing I'll have ever done. Yeah. And I know even, I, I remember Brad telling me during that time that you were even encountering some forest fires or something, or there were some road blockages and stuff along the way. Yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, like there was, it was British Columbia had its worst year probably ever of forest fires that year. So it was just something like I kept running into and like kept hearing about, I saw like plumes of smoke, <laughs> you know, in the distance. It's like, ah, yeah. um, yeah. And you know, that was, it was just a wild adventure. It was, you know, I saw grizzly bears, I saw black bears, wow. bison, all, you know, moose. Hmm. It was just, you know, so cool in that regard. Yeah. Um, this too is a question I'm sure you probably get a lot, but, uh, what, when you're out on these long stretches of runs, what is it that you're, um, are you listening to stuff or what is it you're doing? Are you just in your head or are you listening to music, books, podcasts, or what? Yeah, I, um, you know, from Alaska, well, from San Francisco to New York, I did not listen to music once or anything. Hmm. Um, so that was a very quiet undertaking. Um, from Alaska to Florida, I had Bluetooth speakers that I would listen to um, in my stroller. So that was, I was like a running music box mm-hmm. is what I call it. Uh, generally in training, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and then some, some music, you know, if I need a little bit of energy to, to finish off a run or something like that. I suppose one thing I'll close with is, uh, I, I like to, you know, give a little bit of moment of sincerity, but as I've mentioned a few times, I've always really admired watching you from afar and seeing the things you're doing and having kind of the second degree of separation between us. Um, you know, Brad's been a close friend of mine for, for a long time. And so, um, I've loved hearing about your exploits through him and hearing, uh, hearing the things you're doing and being able to see some of that through your Instagram and Facebook pages and all that stuff. And so, um, it is really a marvel at what, what you've done with your life. And even though I, I, you talked about the run from San Fran to New York and how many things maybe you missed out on along the way, having to, you know, trying to beat the record. I mean, even so, it's like you still have done a thing that so few humans have ever done and got to experience and see a lot of things that nobody else will. And so um, even even though you might be missing out on things, there's still a lot that you've done that uh, not many people are going to be able to say that they've done too. So you really have found a way to lead a very fascinating life oh i appreciate it man i yeah i well i just feel more lucky than anything because you know i i think when you know with ultra running you know you find a you find a new normal so nothing i do i feel like is that really crazy it's just i just feel lucky to be able to do it so no i i and i encourage everyone to do to you know find a new normal if if you're if you're looking for something new Who's the most famous person that you've met? Have you have you had any celebrity encounters in your running journeys? Uh, we we lobbied really hard to get Tom Hanks to run with me in New York City because he, <laughs> he was there for uh, Saturday Night Live, but he did not uh, come out. 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I I, I I really haven't met that many famous people, but I would say uh, Eric Burns, uh, I, he's a former baseball player who uh, has gotten into ultra running. I used to be a fan of his. I've, I think I've messaged him a few times. And uh, uh, what's his? Uh, Mike Posner, the art artist, uh, he walked across the U.S. Uh, I never got to join him while he was walking across the U.S. Now he's actually climbing Mount Everest mm-hmm. right now. Uh, he, um, I've messaged him some, so I, I, I bragged that I'm friends with him, but he probably couldn't pick me out of a crowd. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I'm yeah. pretty lame. Anything that you want to plug, I guess, as far as your own stuff, your your pages on Facebook or Instagram or anything? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, I I I like Instagram. Pete Kostelnik on there. Uh, Facebook. Pete Speed Across America. And then uh, Strava, I think I'm not too popular on Instagram or Facebook, but Strava is probably where people like to follow me because I just, I just run a lot and I train a lot and I, I put all my miles on there in case anyone's ever curious how I train. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sponsored by Hoka and Squirrels Nut Butter, best shoe and best DMT shape brands in the world, um, and Performance Tea, mm-hmm. which is uh, really good stuff. Okay. What's Strava, by the way? I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, Strava is the is like the Facebook of running uh, hmm. and cycling. It's like the Facebook of, of uh, activities. Hmm. Uh, like if you go out and do like a run or a bike, you know, it, your map, it's kind of cool because it's like it, it shares your map on there and then everyone can gloss over it and give you kudos, which is likes or comment, you know, and so it's just a it's just a fun way to, you know, get out of Facebook and, you know, it's kind of like Instagram, but, um, just, just with, uh, running and cycling activities instead of photos. Yeah. Sounds good. Any, do you have, do you know what your literal next thing will be for people to watch for? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing a 24 hour race in Las Vegas, uh, let's see, April 24th. Um, and then I'm doing a 24-hour race indoor in a in they call it the dome uh, in Wisconsin in mid June. So um, and then Badwater in July. So I kind of have you know three three big ones coming up in the next few months. So it feels good to to get back into racing finally. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Pete. Well, thanks again for your time and uh, appreciate it. this. Has been really fun getting a chance to talk to you finally. And um, uh, maybe we'll. Our paths will cross again someday. I sure hope so. It's been a pleasure. I've had a blast. So that's our interview with Pete. Um, the As I've, I will probably mention a few times throughout the podcast, the audio quality is not going to be anything outstanding. Um, I am just kind of doing this on a couple of little Zoom microphones that I have purchased myself. So um, I'm, and I'm, you know, with a lot of these, I'm going to be doing them over FaceTime calls, which was the case with Pete. So um, don't ever expect too much out of the audio quality. It's, it'll be something that'll be audible, but uh, nothing, nothing super outstanding. So um, hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll hopefully be back soon with another edition of Neat Humans.